you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hello and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. Today, we're taking a little time to enjoy the view. No, not the actual view, but rather the popular ABC daytime talk show, The View. No matter what you think about daytime TV, the impact of The View on politics is indisputable, which is why I wanted to talk with writer Amanda Fitzsimons about her 2019 article, How The View Became the Most Important Political Show in America, which was featured in the New York Times Magazine. Considered how much the political landscape has changed since her article first came out, we're in a post-Trump and post-Megan McCain on The View world, I wanted to look into whether The View is still as politically potent as it once was, or has it lost its view? See what I did there? (laughs) So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. On August 11, 1997, journalist Barbara Walters introduced her new ABC daytime talk show, The View. Originally intended as a multi-generational talk show hosted by all women, a first for daytime TV, the show featured discussions about the latest news, or hot topics as they call it, interview segments, and so much more. The show has gone through many iterations and hosts over the years. But really, the most significant change the show has had is its impact on politics in the United States. 
As Amanda Fitzsimons wrote in her New York Times Magazine article, How the View Has Become the Most Important Political TV Show in America, The View has become an influential political talk show because it is one. The panelists are invited into viewers' homes every day for an hour, and in between interviewing candidates about the distinction between socialism and democratic socialism, they share intimate details about their lives, how many times a week they step on a scale, how long it was until they slept with someone else after their divorces, etc. But now in the post-Trump and post-Megan McCain world on The View, I wonder how much of a political impact The View has. I spoke with Amanda about this, the history of the show, and whether it's time for The View to call it quits. How do you think people perceived your article and, and what sort of impact did your article have, do you think? Oh, um, that's a good question. You know, it's hard to know, uh, to have a good sense of those things. But I, I remember pitching the article and I've been a fan of the show like you for many, many years. And when I would pitch it to people, I, I pitch it at my old um, office, you know, no one really got it. I mean, it took a really long time for anyone to take that um, concept seriously as a story. So I remember the reception before it got accepted as a pitch. (laughs) It was mostly eye rolls. Well, and that's so indicative of the view in a lot of ways too. I mean, it, it, people sleep on the view they they don't take it i don't necessarily think i don't think a lot of people in power quote unquote um take the view as seriously as i think viewers like you and i do and recognize the the potent political power that the show has on people and and has on sort of well just regular media outlets as well and the amount of news stories that come out of the view and it's it's surprising to me that people that when you were first pitching it, that people were so hesitant about it just because like, what were their responses? Well, I think, you know, it's it, that I think it's hard to remember this cultural moment exactly, but I think it was just, it was seen as, you know, kind of like, well, it's the talk, it's this lowbrow TV show in the middle of the day. And yeah, maybe they occasionally have politicians on, but why is it doing something different? You know, I don't think people quite realized they were getting pretty big guests. And I do think that politicians and their um, communications people were very plugged into it, even though I think a lot of politicians who would go on the show especially before I started reporting the article, would they would always have this kind of joke, like uh, my wife is watching, you know, this, um, they'd they'd almost make this self-deprecating joke about why they they were on it. It was so funny to, you know, that was kind of the um, punchline. It's so funny that I'm here. And it wasn't so funny. I mean, they were, you know, a lot of politicians were going on the show and I think they, um, rightly recognized that there was a gettable voter who was watching. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting in, well, I mean, I, I've been, I've been, you know, watching the view since it it premiered. I remember watching the premiere. I think I was in middle school or something. And (laughs) I I mean, I was obsessed with daytime TV as a kid, like obsessed. So the view was a big one for me, but it was unlike any other show talk show that has really ever been done in terms of having you know, five women talk about the issues of the day, both pop culture, but political and all these things. But it it really wasn't necessarily political in the beginning. It became a political show over the years, don't you think? 
Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it became political and then it kind of receded from that and then became political again. Um, I think so. Barbara Walters, her original kind of pitch for the show was that there, in her opinion, was this great divide among generations. And if you watch the original credits, um, you know, the first season, um, she sort of explains that the premise of the show is for women to discuss different topics from the point of view of, you know, Gen X, Boomer, mm-hmm. I don't know if Barbara's like silent generation, something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, um, and, and I think one of the original hot topics was about uh, when you hear JFK, do you think of the president or JFK Jr.? Something like that. Oh, um, yeah. So it was originally, I think that part of the lifeblood of the show was always about current events. Um, but I don't think, you know, the rift she saw in America was generational rather than partisan. And, and that um, was something that maybe came later. Um, when Rosie O'Donnell joined the show, yeah. Um, yeah. that is when the show, you know, she changed the set um, and it had, you know, it stopped looking exactly like a living room and had this table that sort of looked more like um, what you might see on CNN or something like that. And, you know, she was only there for a season that first time, but that was the first time the show really had the political valence that I think it achieved again. I think for a while there, like I want to say 2014, 2013, um, the talk I think was beating them in the ratings yeah. and trying to go a more pop culture route. And if you watch those old episodes, you can just see, I mean, they weren't talking about politics as much. A lot yeah. of the hot topics. We're were talking the Sherry Shepard era, the Jenny McCarthy era, the, that, that sort yes. of era of the view. Yeah. Right. That those eras. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, I'm so glad you brought up Rosie because the, well, a, I'm a big Rosie fan, but also B, I do think that, the partisan era of politics. I mean, the partisan era of politics, I think you could argue, some people argue it started with Reagan. Other people argue it started with the Clintons. You know, there's a lot of, I think depending on what side of the aisle you're on is when the partisan politics really started. Um, But for the view, I think partisan politics really started to be a part of the daily conversation on the view when Rosie started, because Rosie inherently was a political figure at that point she was being very outspoken in politics she had you know she had came out in the last season of her her show and the landscape for queer talk celebrities was really just rosie o'donnell and ellen degeneres at that time there was nobody else although i will defend jim j bullock because he had that talk show with tammy faye and i loved it in the 90s but that's (laughs) but um rosie was a potent political queer figure and, and and a divisive one at that and I mean, it's no it's no surprise that in the first season on the show, that's when the whole Trump Rosie feud started when she did that impersonation of Donald Trump. And it became kind of a a political hot topic show in a lot of ways. So I want to know, like, what what your thoughts are on the Rosie impact on the show and has what Rosie did in her first season when she was because she came back a few years later, very short stint a few years later. But in her first season, has that sort of remained? Has the show, I mean, can, with the exception of those few years we just talked about where it became pop culture, but when Rosie did it, has the show gone back to that sort of tone that Rosie brought? 
Yes. Um, so I think what happened there, it's interesting. Rosie, you're so right. I mean, it's funny to think about the Trump feud in a, that Rosie had with Trump, because at that point, Trump wasn't a politician. He yeah. was a guy on The Apprentice. He was also a good friend of Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, if you go back to that clip, the one where she makes fun of Trump, mm-hmm. it's, you know, at the time, I think she delivered this like long monologue about, you know, he had these debts, he wouldn't pay people. I mean, she yeah. really had, um, an editorial about him that, and I think a lot of people just didn't, I mean, they maybe thought, oh, he's, you know, this sort of boastful talk show host, celebrity, rich guy yeah. kind of thing. She really, um, she really had a critique of him that had real substance. And I think that was unusual for the time. Obviously she hit a nerve. And I do remember that sort of being the first time I think we as a country realized just how thin skinned, uh, Donald Trump was. I mean, no. I know he had had feuds with like Spy Magazine and stuff before that, but this was like on extra, and he wouldn't stop. I mean, well, it was and it just- was all fueled by I, I forget what pageant. It wasn't Miss America. It was another pageant where there was a contestant who had gained weight, and Trump made a big deal of some spectacle of her losing weight, and it was a whole thing. And I think that's what inspired it, right? Well. <laughs> It's funny I know this. Okay, so that woman is named Andrea Machado. That is Miss Universe. And she was, um, I think Hillary Clinton brought her to one of the debates. And yes. Trump she gained a lot of weight after she was crowned. And then Trump, who owned the pageant, made her lose 20 pounds so that, you know. But I actually think that the thing that got um, Rosie angry was a different pageant that Trump owned. You have oh, to keep wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the controversy there, I, I double check this, but I think it was that the woman who had won or one of the contestants was in a bar drunk kissing a girl. Oh, I think that's what it was. Interesting. And yeah. Trump made her, um, or I don't know if he made her, but he, but she with him, they had a press conference and she apologized. Oh, yes, that sounds right. I'm I'm remembering this now. Yeah. So so when Rosie was making fun of him, like when she kind of swept her hair in that way and did the lips and stuff, she was saying, like, he's such a hypocrite. Look at all the things, all the, you know, morally questionable things he's done. And here he is um, kind of telling this young woman who, you know, I don't know, she was like 20 in a bar. Yeah. um, Apologize to apologize yeah well it's interesting you brought up previously brought up uh hillary clinton because the guest on that episode was hillary clinton i know which is like the irony of iron it's just so the the way that that moment in time dictated so much of our our country's future in a lot of ways is is really fascinating don't you think oh totally it's i mean that that is amazing uh and just what um magnificent coincidence in many ways. Yeah. Um, Trump was close with Barbara Walters. And so he actually was kind of a big character on the show before he became a politician. And so that, you know, the fact that he was on it so many times, I mean, I know he, he would go on a lot of TV shows and he was in New York, but I think he, I mean, he was on the view just very regularly. I mean, he was almost like a character on the show and yeah 
it's kind of wild to look back at that time and to see this sort of i mean everyone just sort of they didn't really treat him like a political figure they treated him like a like a like a sort of a pseudo rich dude who just sort of was a character he was a he was a media character in a lot of ways and he would come on and and do these things and it's 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 really interesting to look back at that and then to see when that shift began and it and, and it all was kind of around that rosy year when she was on and things even politically because i don't know when obama gave the um the uh, correspondence in her speech that you know everyone credits as when trump looked at obama and was like i'm gonna i'm gonna run for president like that's when they credit obama, trump running for president was at that correspondence speech but it was I'm, it wasn't too far off from when rosie was on the view that year either no i think I mean, the funny thing is, too, and I think part of like, you know, the split screen moment, which is really what I think got people. I mean, it's funny. It's Rosie's last episode. Um, the fight between that. her and Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like so that was new and different, I think, because I mean, you mentioned like there, that the country had had a partisan divide. Mm -hmm. you know, around the time of Reagan. Um, but I think the difference there was that it got so personal. And I think that that's kind of what the show does that other shows don't. And it's very hard to manufacture Yeah. Um, because I was watching that clip last night because I knew I'd be talking to you. And I mean, you know, you can tell Rosie had taken Elizabeth Hasselbeck, I think, to her first Broadway show. And she felt that they were friends or that they had a connection. And um, so the kind of political argument they were getting into really bled into, you know, kind of their feuding as coworkers. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of how things are now. I think it's really personal politics. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that moment, I mean, that fight was so, it was such a political fight, but it also was a very personal fight. And you, you, we saw it on, we saw it unfold on air in a really uncomfortable way. I remember watching it live being like, what, what is happening? Like I had never <laughs> seen that kind of conversation on television before. And it was, it was, uh, it wasn't even a conversation. It was an all out fight. And it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it really, the, the role and the impact that Rosie had, the political impact that Rosie had on the view, I think matches the seismic sort of change that happened. Then when Megan McCain came on the show, a couple of years after that, obviously, I, I think wh what year did she start? I believe she started in 2017. Yeah, yeah. And and it wasn't as I mean, her joining The View wasn't a, as big of a deal as Rosie joining The View, obviously, because Rosie was TV royalty. And Megan McCain at that time was just sort of a talking head, the daughter of John McCain. And but over the course of Megan McCain's tenure on The View, the impact that it had on the show, both politically, but also in terms of sort of news relevancy. I mean, it became uh, every day there was some other news item of something Meghan McCain said on The View and some response that Whoopi Goldberg had to Meghan McCain on The View and how Joy Behar responded to Meghan McCain. And it, it really lit a fire, I think, in a way that also had a new era of The View, a new political era of The View. And I wanted to know, like, what what you what impact do you think Meghan McCain had joining The View? Well, it's interesting. I mean, so after Elizabeth Hasselbeck was fired, which um, I think she left the show. I can't remember what year, actually. But when she left, 
the the show had kind of lost its way and they and part of that was they were having a very tough time filling that conservative chair um and they had gotten um like candace cameron who's very very right i mean i think that she thinks the jury is out on evolution so i mean she's like whoa um but in part because the the ideological gulf between her and someone like Joy Behar is so vast and she is kind of smiley and bubbly. It just didn't really, there was no sparring that went on. Um, And so I think in a lot of ways, right. And Megan, I think, I mean, a couple of things happened. First of all, Megan was a conservative who, because of her family hated Trump. So that, made it kind of, I mean, I can't imagine there aren't that many people who would have had, if they had gotten a Trump supporter at the time on, I think it just would have devolved into this argument about Trump, but because she had had that, um, she had this kind of, she didn't like him. It it made her a more interesting uh, person from an ideological standpoint. But then um, the other thing that had happened is her father, who had been, you know, this longtime senator and and a national figure really was thrust into the spotlight. Um, So he became like symbolic of a bygone era of politics. And Mm -hmm. when there was kind of bipartisan participation in, in bills. And so I think that also made people interested in what she had to say. And I mean, her dad was just in the news so often at, at the very beginning of her tenure on the show in particular. Yeah. And when she first started on the show, actually, she got along with them. I mean, they would argue, but it would be that same kind of um, it'd be like watching any TV show. But I want to say around like April or May of 2019, there was one blow up and it just didn't stop (laughs) and you could tell like there was no love loss between the two but you know her and joy yeah and then her her and whoopee and then her and abby yeah it was it was i mean it became so a lot of people write about sort of the dramas of the view the backstage dramas of the view and i've always contended that that they don't do that on shows that mainly feature male commentators so i do think there's a there's a bit of a um a sexist angle that a lot of people take when it comes to the politics behind the scenes of the view. But those politics did come out in like around that time you were saying in, in sort of the late years of, or the April of uh, 2019, when that one blow up happened and it just seemed like it was a nonstop parade of, it wasn't just, yes, there was infighting amongst the co-hosts and the disagreements amongst the hosts, but it also was, I think, and and this is what I thought was you know interesting about your article was the political impact of the view. But also, it became sort of emblematic of how Americans were discussing politics and discussing Trump at that time. In and it was happening on the view as well. And it just it just seemed like we all were infighting with each other. We were all cast members of the view in a lot of ways, <laughs> fighting in the way that that the ladies of the view were fighting. And it's it uh and it really I think. I think you're right in in that it did set the tone politically for the end of Trump's presidency in a lot of ways, don't you think? The end of Trump's presidency. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. That was an interesting. I was thinking about that last night um, because it's funny. I mean, the, sh- 
so COVID happened and, and all of the co-hosts, like co-hosts of any show were filming from their houses. And um, I would have thought that that would have been just a disaster for a show like The View. I mean, it's like five people zooming and talking at once. Somehow, actually, the ratings were really good during that time. And I think partially because Megan um, was this lightning rod and people like to see Joy spar with her. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think people were in their houses just watching it. Oh, I was. I was watching every single day and I was both I mean, I don't think there's ever, I, I will admit, and this is this is a guilty pleasure, but my boyfriend and I sometimes do watch those compilations of Megan McCain videos on The View, and it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch sometimes, but it also is very peaceful in a lot of ways. I don't know why I find it so peaceful, but she really did bring something to The View that, that both made the show even more of a political show in a lot of ways, but it also... It, it it sort of set the stage, I think, for where the view is now. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the current state of the, the post Megan McCain era of the view. And in my opinion, I do feel like the show is struggling at the moment. It's it's and I think some of it has to do with and they've always had this problem of filling that conservative chair and 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 sort of the role of that person in the conservative seat of, of on the panel. And I think that's part of it. But I also feel like there's just a lot of fatigue from the Trump era of the view. And it, I think the, I think those years on the view really have shifted the show in a direction that I don't know if they can get back to in a way. I don't know. I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I do feel like the show has changed post Trump. It has in my opinion too. Yeah, I agree. And I think their viewership is down. um, So we're not the only ones who feel that way. (laughs) Um, But I think Yes. I mean, it's hard right now to imagine what a good solution would be to, um, to, yeah, to a show that would be relevant, as relevant as it was, let's say, three years ago. Um, and I think it's funny because the season with Rosie and Elizabeth, that was the time in American politics when, I mean, that season, a lot of the debate involved Iraq yeah. And then the other kind of clips that went viral from Elizabeth's tenure, I think it was the next season involved Sarah Palin because she was a big Sarah Palin supporter. Yeah. And, um, you know, Joy would just be tearing her hair out. And I remember, I mean, at the time, and I think a lot of Americans felt this way, that Sarah Palin was unique, um, that that the fact that she was running for vice president, like we would never have a vice presidential candidate like her. And in fact, that was totally wrong. I mean, she obviously had touched on something that that was in the electorate and, and is still there. I mean, it was kind of a preview of what was to come. So in that moment, um, when Joy and Elizabeth were debating, um, the, the um, fitness of Sarah Palin to be vice president, you could almost imagine like, well, this is never going to happen again. And yet they achieved it um, during the Trump years with Meghan McCain. So I, th- I think that, 
you know, there's hope still for fans for something interesting and innovative to happen. But I know it, it's hard to imagine what that might be in some ways. Yeah. And and it's and I guess my the last point I wanted to talk with you about, although I could feel like I could talk with you forever about the view. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> things to talk about. Um, but I I hate to discuss the tenure of Whoopi Goldberg because I am a I'm a big admirer of Whoopi Goldberg and a big fan of Whoopi Goldberg. I've always thought that the view was beneath Whoopi Goldberg. Um, and but there were years that that it she was very good on the view. And it does seem in the past few years that we're just sort of riding along with Whoopi <laughs> until Whoopi decides to leave. And it's it's uh there is a tone that would be, and even just recently, you know, in, in the news just recently, there was um, a, a conservative conference where Nazis were protesting outside. And of course, Whoopi makes news because she sometimes comments on things and then she has to go back and apologize for them. And that was one instance where she associated the Nazi protesters with the conservative conference and they were in no way uh, related or part of, of sort of each other. And, and, it's, and that's just one instance where Whoopi has had to go back and apologize again and again. And it does feel like Whoopi is doing that a lot. And I wanted to get your thoughts on on Whoopi. And I hate to even ask it because I love Whoopi. <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny. OK, so Whoopi, I think she's always been sort of a surprising uh, person on the show. And it's hard to articulate why she she works on it. I mean, I think she's she might be the longest running host. Um, mm, yeah. because Joy technically left. I'm, I might have that wrong, but I mean, she's been there since I want to say 2008, 2009. Yeah. Since um, post Rosie, right? Like her first time. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, and she, she's pretty open about the fact that she likes to smoke weed, that she's kind of over it. She sometimes, yeah. um, you know, I know, I know she has trouble reading, but she also sometimes gets mad at the teleprompter. Yeah. Um, her transitions, yeah, I mean, my God, her transitions. Sometimes I'm like, girl, you're on television. Have a better, smoother transition. Over the years, she has had some, she is politically, uh, you know, I mean, I, most of the time, left of center, in some cases, very left of center, but but sometimes, and I, I guess it wouldn't even fit on a partisan map, but she will have a very surprising take on a topic. And mm-hmm. I, I think that pre-social media, people may not realize, but she had had some interesting views even before her most recent, um, you know, for instance, um, she... Uh, didn't believe the Cosby accusers. She has had some really um, controversial takes over the years. Um, And it's hard. I mean, even super famous person. I mean, whenever the hot topic is about like the, um, the way Hollywood works, Mm -hmm. I am fascinated to hear what she has to say. Um, And she's had such a fascinating life that a lot of her takes on, on things just, are so interesting to listen to. But yes, she is a loose cannon. I mean, totally. Um, And you can tell, I think she said something to me to the effect of, they give me a really interesting paycheck, (laughs) meaning ABC. Um, So I imagine she's well compensated. Uh, She clearly is a big fan of Disney World and Disney owns ABC. So I wonder if there are some books related to that. But yeah, I mean, and she's only there four days a week, right? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't really host on Fridays anymore. Joy usually hosts. 
So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's funny. There were a lot of rumors that she had one foot out the door, I want to say, in 2015. I mean, and she must have been seriously considering it um, because there were just like story after story about that. So um, and yet here we are and she's still there. Yeah, I mean, I I think she I think she plays an important role. But at the same time, sometimes I'm I'm. I like the game that I always play with my friends because all of my friends, I only have friends based on if they enjoy the view. And, uh, <laughs> and we have this group text going where we wonder what celebrity Whoopi Goldberg will request to come back and be a co-host one day. And it's and it's only very specific celebrities. And it's a fun game to try to guess who she will offer to come back sometime and be a co-host. And it's it's uh, it's always really fun to watch. <laughs> well, who's your prediction well i see okay so i my prediction for the view in general i mean for the co-host thing none of these celebrities that come on the show will ever come back and be a co-host they just want to be guests but Whoopi just wants to invite all the famous people to be co-hosts but my i will say my prediction for the view in general is i kind of think it needs a full revamping and it needs a fully new cast and it needs a fully new presence in a different direction because I don't, it, while I, it pains me to say that because I love Joy and I love Whoopi and, and I love Sonny a lot, but I feel like this era of The View has sort of run its course. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, they're, I don't want the show to go away because I feel like it is such an important property for ABC and an important part of the talk show, political talk show landscape. Uh, but that said, I think it needs a full revamping. I think they all need to go and it needs some new energy or new, uh, just a new direction in general. And I don't know, I don't think that'll happen because I feel like even if the ratings are down, the show does generate money for ABC. Yeah. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they're probably a little afraid. This is just a guess. I have no idea, but the time that they really revamped the show, um, like the Jenny McCarthy era, Mm. I think it was too much change too soon for viewers. And maybe it was the wrong changes. Maybe that was the problem, but, um, but it was, you know, when they got rid of joy and, and I just think people stopped wrecking, they got a totally new set and it was just a lot. And it took them several seasons to get back to a place where they were sort of on firm footing in terms of ratings and, and people, feeling familiar with the co-host because they were just, it became a revolving door. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's maybe a fear of theirs, but I agree with you. I mean, they, it definitely has to evolve because we are in a new era and yeah, there's a lot of news fatigue out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, it kind of, whenever recently, and this will be, you know, I'll wrap up at this point because I think, I think it's a really interesting, I don't know if you watched it, but they have been doing um what was it not 20 25th anniversary stuff is it is it 25 years i think it is and so yeah yeah and it's um they've been doing anniversary stuff and they came back with meredith vieira and all the original co-hosts sort of had like a get together and it brought me back to that sort of original spirit and energy of the view in a lot of ways that like how how fun that was and how fun meredith was and how fun that sort of these people who are so different and they none of it was based on their celebrity status because none of them really were celebrities with the exception of barbara walters and so it was all based on sort of just their takes on stuff and i 
I think that's where we need to get back to in a lot of ways. You know, it's so many of the current hosts have these personas that are larger than the show and it's, and the personas and their reactions generate the news that come out of the show now, instead of like their genuine takes on things. You know what I mean? So you mean like you feel they have pressure from producers to kind of perform in a certain way or, or I think so. I mean, I think there's something there there's, there's just, I mean, sure, there are times where, like, you know, something they say politically gets gets a lot of news, but more often than not, it becomes sort of something they say wrong or something they say miss right. they, they some some snafu that happens. And I watch those those reunion moments of the original host, and I just I want to get back to that energy of sort of the spontaneity of the show and of the people coming together and having a genuine conversation and sort of the weird things that can come and the and the sex talks that can come. I mean, now you have you know, the, the sex talks on the view and it becomes a very sort of sterile conversation and where Whoopi is bothered and Joyce says something funny and, and Sonny is Sonny and everyone doesn't know how to have the conversation. <laughs> and it just feels very, um, I don't know, sterile in a lot of ways. And, and, and it, it, I, I, I want, I want Meredith Vieira back. <laughs> Meredith Vieira is so amazing. I know. Um, she really is. Maybe that is a, Hey, you could consult for ABC. I don't. Think I mean, I, I think I just came up with the show. I think I just figured it out. <laughs> Amanda, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for talking with me about this the view. What do you think? Is the View still a politically potent show? Let me know. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, please leave a little rating and review, and maybe consider sharing it on social media because that really does help. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. Until then, watch something fun and enjoy the view. <laughs> Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.